You're listening to the Party in My Plants podcast. And whether you have a chronic illness or you're a fan of never-ending wellness, this chatteroo is for you, my friend. Welcome to the Party in My Plants podcast, where I make healthy living as fun as a party so you'll, you know, actually want to do it and then actually feel, look, and live your best. I'm your host, Talia Pollock. Now let's get this party started. While we're on the topic of making healthy eating a whole lot less hellish, although that's what we're always on the topic of here on the Party My Plants podcast, one of my favorite essential non-healthy healthy staples, as you probably know by now, is Amazing Grass Greens Powder. And I am so excited that Amazing Grass is sponsoring this podcast episode. I truly, honestly, wholeheartedly adore Amazing Grass's amazing grasses, which I'm sure you're well aware of if you follow me on Instagram. Their green superfood powders are an insanely tasty blend of nutritious greens, phytonutrient-packed fruits, veggies, grasses, digestive enzymes, and probiotics that I can't and I don't want to live without. And it just so happens that one of the kitchen tools I'm going to outline in today's episode is the vehicle through which I enjoy amazing grass. Amazing. To make Amazing Grass even more amazing, they're offering Party in My Plants podcast listeners 40% off. Yes, 40%, not just some measly 10%, 40% off. That's almost half off your Amazing Grass order. If you go to their website, amazinggrass.com, and use coupon code PLANTPARTY40 at checkout. That's PLANTPARTY40 at checkout on amazinggrass.com. My guest today has gone through a long and winding and challenging journey with chronic illness and autoimmune disease. The way she is now, though, charmingly hilarious and fantastically bubbly, is kind of a great case-in-point example of one of her biggest teachings, that you're way more than your illness. Much, much more than your illness. Nitika Chopra is the strong and loving voice behind the podcast, The Point of Pain, which is a place where others with chronic illness in their past share their stories. Surprisingly, there's a lot of laughter on her show, as there was in this show. She's calling her conference for those with ongoing illnesses, Chronicon, so you know she's a fan of the humor thing. Personally, I've never had a guest pointedly say they're not into trees or grass or anything nature, but by revealing her opposition to the great outdoors, Nitika, a thriving, vibrant, walking, talking billboard of health, proved her thesis that knowing yourself well enough to know your needs is the secret to wellness. Speaking of billboards, we also talk about what it would be like to be a swimsuit model for a hot sec, which she was. And we talk vision boards. That's kind of like a dream billboard for your bedroom, right? Anyway, here's Nitika. Nitika, thank you so much for coming on the Party in My Plants podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Talia. <laughs> it took me a long time to figure out how to pronounce your name. <laughs> and then once I learned, I it's just such a beautiful name. Oh, you're so Nitika. sweet. Well, you're not alone there. Every day someone mispronounces it. So it's all like good. Like Natika or I don't know what you get. Nikita is usually. <laughs> Nikita I get like in person sometimes, but I usually get Nikita the most. And you're not related to Mr. Deepak or Priyanka Chopra, right? (laughs) No, I'm not. No, that's also a question I get asked a lot. I'm not related to either of them. Um, But yeah. (laughs) I guess that's a common last name. Yeah. I mean, it's not like as common as like Smith or something, but it's common enough for sure. And it's clearly like a powerhouse name because the three of you. World domination. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of world domination, you are on a mission to inspire radical self-love. That is what you say you are on the road to do. So I just want to start by asking you how you would define radical self-love. Yeah. I mean, I think the way, like what comes up for me when you say that is just being unapologetic about your desire to love yourself, about the boundaries that you have to keep in order to create love in your life, and also just unapologetic around the way you treat yourself, you know? And sometimes I think 
as women, especially, we can feel as though it's too much or like maybe we don't deserve it. Or I don't know, some moms out there, like there's Mm -hmm. so many things to do before we go to the nail salon or do whatever thing (laughs) it might be for you. And I think it's kind of a radical act to say like, no, if I'm not at, you know, 90 to hundred percent within myself, I'm not going to be able to give you anything and I'm not going to be able to take care of myself or build the business that I want or whatever it might be. And that's not what we were taught, especially, I mean, I I don't know about people listening, but for me growing up, I was not taught that. So I think Mm -hmm. that's pretty radical. Yeah, it's rad, dude. (laughs) I mean, a great example is that you just delayed our start to this recording 10 minutes because you needed to eat. And that's amazing. You were like, crap, I hadn't eaten. I was too long to go without food. I wanted to show up and be the best Nitika I could be on this podcast. And so you asked to push it back. I think that is self-love. Yeah, I think that's pretty radical too. And <laughs> and honestly, like I thought about it a lot before I decided to do it. I came home from a meeting and I was like, okay, I could just like have a gluten-free cookie and like be okay, <laughs> which I did have a cookie too, by the way. Okay. But, um, but I was like, I could just have this like sugar rush basically and be okay. But I knew that when I tapped into my body, I was like, oh my God, my body really needs some like protein, some greens, like it's just really craving it. And I can see that now, you know, after years of kind of doing that talking to my body thing. But um, yeah, I would have never done that in the past. You know, I would because I I do like to be in integrity. I like to say, like, do what I say I'm going to do. You Mm -hmm. know, I think that's really important. And it's another way to honor yourself, but also honor other people. But then there's just those times where you're like, okay, hopefully like this 10 minutes isn't going to hurt anything and isn't going to change like the positive outcome here. So Mm -hmm. let me just take a breath, send an email (laughs) and like make myself a really good lunch. And it was really, what did you eat? I said, I'm probably going to have to eat more after this, but I had enough. I make these like, I make like my kick on the summer is like tuna salad or like salmon salad because you know, I try not to have too much tuna, mm-hmm. but um, like wild fish and I make it with, I mean, it's like such a like lame <laughs> lunch, no, but it's really don't doubt yummy it. and it's like, it's all the things I'm allowed to eat. So I'm like, okay, I can eat this, but I take like a siete wrap. So today I tried the chickpea ones for the first time and I was like, oh, they're okay. They're a little bit more flavorful than I <laughs> would want them to be. Oh, not like a neutral Not uh, like the shell. almonds of the cassava. Like those ones, like the tortillas that mm-hmm. they have, those are all grain-free, which is why I use them. But they, the almond and the cassava ones are really just neutral. But the, the chickpea one is a little, it's a little bit of a kick. So <laughs> I was like, okay. Um, so yeah, so I did, uh, one of those tortillas and then I put like a ton of greens on it and some vegan cheese that I like melted on oh, the stove on the, the wrap. And Sounds then better I than a cookie. A little, <laughs> yeah. And then I just put a little like tuna salad with some celery on it with like vegan mayonnaise. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Oh, yum. Well, okay. So a few things you said in there, you said the word aloud and you also spoke about tapping into your body. And I feel like this little adorable example of what just happened with pushing back our interview and your, you know, self-love lunch. Talk to me about, you know, these words aloud. Why why are you allowed? You know, I'm leading you into the question about your your health, but and tap into your body. I mean, I know you weren't old always, you know, tapping in like this. So just kind of pull us back and and give us the broader picture of how you got to this point where you prioritize yourself love so radically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely didn't do that growing up. And when I was 10 years old, I was diagnosed with psoriasis, which is an autoimmune disease of the skin. And I had that, you know, pretty soon after from the tip of my foot to the tip of my head. (sighs) And then when I was 19, I got psoriatic arthritis. And I also had that throughout most of my joints in my body. And um, the first like 10 years of my diagnosis, I never really had any doctors tell me that I couldn't eat certain things like the Western medical industry. They just really don't like talk about that or Mm -hmm. acknowledge that, which I think is so insane, but it's true. And so I used to always, I used to eat so much junk food. Mm -hmm. Like I've just 
always love junk food. Like, you know, you might interview people and they're like, oh, yeah, I loved kale growing up. I like, no. <laughs> what I was not. yours? Cheetos, Gushers? Oh, gosh. I really <laughs> loved Twix bars, which is like so random. But I loved the caramel and the cookie and the chocolate. It just was all that I ever wanted in life. <laughs> and then I also just really loved chips. Like mm. I loved a chip. Like give me a chip and I will <laughs> die happy. Like that was like how I felt. So you ate um, all the chips. <laughs> I ate all the chips and it was just so bad. And my mom used to always say like, you shouldn't eat this way. Like she never really ate that way. You know what I mean? But I didn't care. And then Well, you also didn't know any better, sounds like. I didn't know any better. Yeah, I used to always say to her, until a doctor tells me that I can't eat this way, I'm not Yeah, yeah. I was a brat. So so, yeah, so I did I just ate whatever I wanted. And then when I was like twenty, I met my first like really serious like Ayurvedic acupuncturist in India, and he was the first person to be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like what like, you eat affects everything. Yeah, like you can't eat, you know, white flour, white sugar, like all these different things. Um, white rice was an issue at the time and stuff, all these things. And um, I drastically changed my diet. And it was really, it was really great for a lot of reasons, but it was also really extreme. And I think that's something I've had to learn, especially the last couple of years that I've been feeling a little bit better is like, okay, I've gone through parts of my life where I've had to really have elimination phases where I'm just being super, super, super strict. And I'm not eating really barely anything except for like, you know, meat and vegetables. And that's like it. But I'm in a space now where I'm feeling much better. My symptoms are much better. I was able to reduce some of my medication over the last like couple of years. And I am trying to actually get back into a bit more of an equilibrium. Like, what does it look like to basically be on an autoimmune paleo diet, which is what I'm on, Mm -hmm. but also like be able to go out and have like gluten-free pizza without tomato, because I really can't do tomato, but (laughs) with the dairy if I want and like not like beat myself up or like, mm-hmm. Oh, I'm at a friend's party. I'm going to have like a birthday cake. It's gluten-free. Great. Like there's certain things I know my body will not tolerate. Like gluten is one of them nightshades for the most part, you know, but there are a lot of things in between there that like, I just totally took off the table. And I think right now I'm in a process of kind of seeing like, Oh, maybe I can have this like vegan cheese for lunch. Like what's the big deal? Do you know what I mean? But when yeah. you're in like, it's like you don't eat anything. And so this is all because of your autoimmune condition. Yeah. Yeah. It's all because of my psoriasis and my psoriatic arthritis. I've gone to integrative doctors. I've gotten tested my microbiome and my blood tests and just really seen what my body responds to and what it doesn't and what, you know, causes issues in my body and Mm -hmm. how it handles it. Um, And that's something I'm a huge advocate for because I just think a lot of times people are so desperate, which I don't blame them. And they just kind of wing it and like try all these random things. And in reality, it's like, no, you need to like go to the doctor and like find out what's going on with your body. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like it's really interesting because it feels like through your journey, you know, with all your, sorry, your terrible illnesses and then healing it, it sounds like through a combination of food and medication and education, you could have gone the route of kind of like me being a food person. You know, I healed ish my IBS and all my health issues with Mm -hmm. a plant-based diet. So I decided to share with people how to eat more plants to feel more better. But you took it a different direction, which is so fascinating. You took it really the self-love, the self-care direction. Talk to me about how you made that choice and how you you like turned that into your mission and into your business and your livelihood. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like I've never considered myself like an expert on one specific thing. Like, you know, I was even like into beauty a lot for a while. I was doing a talk show and all these different beauty things. And I would always be like, guys, I'm not a beauty expert. Like I don't, (laughs) that's not, I just happen to like talk about this thing a lot, but I'm not a beauty expert or, you know, with the food and stuff, like sometimes I'll show on my Instagram stories, I'll show like, you know, what I'm making and I'll kind of laugh because I'm like, guys, you really don't even know how not 
a cook I am, you know, <laughs> and I'm just trying to figure it out. So I think for me, it wasn't necessarily about the medium or the mode in which, you know, you were getting there, right? Like, it didn't matter to me whether you were focusing on the food or you were focusing on the beauty or you were focusing on the relationships. To me, it's always been about know thyself mm-hmm. enough to like know what you need. You know, like there have been times in my life where, as I said before, I really had to focus on my food. Like in 2016, I went through this whole thing with a new integrative doctor and I kind of, I wasn't even working that much and I was just focusing on my food and I was cooking for myself all day and just like really dialing down what I was eating and all the things. But then there's like other times where I'm just like, okay, I want to like, you know, focus on my skincare and like, I need to up that and I need to do that. You know, so who am I to tell somebody that, no, you only need to focus on this one thing, especially Mm. when I don't feel like an expert in those things. I'm just trying to figure out what's best in any given moment. So yeah, I mean, how I turned it into a career, I, I always had this passion of being on camera. I was always really creative and I didn't really know how to channel all my creativity when I was growing up. But I think when blogging happened and I started becoming friends with people that were like writing books and doing things on TV and all this stuff, I started to just imagine what it would be like, you know, to use those outlets to help other people. And because that's all I really wanted. Like, I think I've always been really clear that it's really a privilege to have a platform And it shouldn't be something, at least I don't think for myself, I don't want it to be something that just like feeds my ego. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that don't even realize that that's what they're doing. You know what I mean? Because the society has really set them up to perpetuate that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've just always kind of tried to be like, okay, well, what's the next right thing that I can do where I'm working on the things that make me happy, that make me feel like, oh, this is really exciting. Like I feel really energized. And how am I also helping people in the process? And um, about 10 years ago, I quit. I didn't quit my job then. About 10 years ago, I started my business. And then a few years in, I ended up getting a talk show and quit my job. No big deal. Just got a talk show. Just like a little blog on the side. (laughs) But yeah, it was a lot of steps. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, one thing you said, know thyself to know what you need. I feel like that really is the core of what you do and what you want to help people with, especially for people who have chronic illnesses. So if somebody's listening and they're like, whoa, know myself to know what I need, how do I even begin to tap into that kind of knowing? What would you tell them? How does someone begin to live their life in accordance to, in accordance to knowing themselves and what they need? Yeah, I mean, it's an easy question. I know. <laughs> like, okay. Have fun. No, but it's, it's it's a easy, but it's also like it's hard to put into words because it is a bit esoteric. So mm-hmm. the way that I see it and the way I tell people is like you have to get quiet enough to know when your body and your soul are saying yes or no to you. Oh, I love that. And that's really it. You know, I mean, it's like that simple, right? But what does that look like on a daily basis? That means when I first wake up in the morning, I really fight the urge to check all of my social, to check Mm -hmm. my email. And I'm not great at that. I've, especially with the launch of my latest venture, I've been like not great at it, but I really try every day. (laughs) Like, it's kind of a joke how much I try every day. I'm like, okay. Today is going to be the day. So your goal is to like not like what you sleep in like airplane mode and you wait till like nine or something. I don't sleep in airplane mode, but I do sleep with my phone on silent. And, you know, like if I shut off my alarm, I even bought myself an alarm clock and it's like I haven't used it. Anyway, it's a whole thing. It's not really selling the whole thing I'm trying to tell you. but it's, <laughs> No, it's you're real. honest and we're all struggling even, yeah, you know. This is the point of struggle for yes. me right now. But one thing I will say is that before I launched this latest business, which has been taking up a lot more of my time, I would always do the thing. Like if I checked email or something, it wouldn't affect me as much. So I don't think I like really thought about that initially, like before. 
but I would always put on really spiritual, like soft music. And that I still do because like, it really helps my nervous system in the morning, just Mm -hmm. kind of wake up gently. And I just play it, you know, at a good volume that I can hear it throughout my apartment. And I basically like make my bed and I brush my teeth and I do all of that while I'm listening to this music. And it really helps me. Hmm. It really helps me. And, you know, then from there, it's like my definition of self-love is being more committed to your happiness than to your suffering in every moment. Hmm. So, yeah. And so like the reason why I say that is because of these kinds of things. Like you ask, how does somebody get to know themselves? It's like there was a time in my life where I was getting up in the morning and I was rushing and I was, oh my God, I have to get to this thing. And, you know, oh, I have an 8.30 meeting and, oh, I have to do that, you know. And I just, after a while, I was like, I feel like shit when I do. Like I feel horrible Mm -hmm. when I do that. And really, I don't feel great if I have to meet someone before 10 Mm a.m. Like, I just don't. My body needs time. I usually won't eat anything if I have to, like, rush and force myself to eat in the morning. So I need a little time to, like, wake up and, you know, sort my apartment and all those things. So this is just one area of your life, right? But this can be kind of trickled into every single area. I do the same thing when I'm hanging out with people. Like, recently I've made some new friends, and and sometimes I'm around my new friends, and I'm like, oh, there's that weird feeling. I don't know why it's there. I don't know what it's trying to tell me, but I'm going to listen this time and I'm not going to push it and try to force this friendship. Mm. You know? and, Cause I would do that, you know, and, and things like, oh my God, I feel so good when I'm around this person. I'm going to make and invest time in spending more time with her because she's really, every time I spend time with her, she makes me feel good about myself. So mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure I do that. And even with the food, right? Like, that's really what it is. And, and you're going to fail. Okay. Like you're going to, you know, push with that friend you really shouldn't have, or you're going to just have a cookie before the podcast. Yeah, have a cookie. <laughs> I had a cookie. I love that cookie. It was so good, you know, and it was a vegan cookie and it was so delicious. And I feel, I feel great actually that I had the cookie, but there have been other times where like first thing in the morning, I'll like go to my coffee place and I'll get like a cookie because I just feel like, Oh my God, I'm in a rush. Like I need to, you know, have something. And I rarely ever feel good because that sugar really just doesn't suit me in the morning. Yeah. Right. So it's just like knowing thyself is literally, that's why I say self-love is about being more committed to your happiness than to your suffering in every Mm. moment. Cause it's these moments, right? Like I could have gotten on the call with you at exactly the time we were supposed to get on And I would have been suffering Mm -hmm. because I was really, my blood sugar was starting to dip. Like I have, I just got back from acupuncture. Like I, you know, really needed to nourish myself. I didn't eat, you know, a totally full lunch, but I had, I feel great now. Good. You sound great. (laughs) Yeah. So it's these little acts of, you know, self-care that add up to a life of self-love, if you will. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. This episode is enthusiastically sponsored by a product that couldn't possibly float my boat more, Four Sigmatic. My boat is so floated by Four Sigmatic's mushroom drinks that any more floating would turn my boat into an airplane because it's flying. Okay, so the first time I tried a packet of Four Sigmatic mushroom tea and a glass of hot water, I was muy skeptical because of this whole mushroom thing being really trendy right now, and I'm always reluctant to hop on trend trains. Wow, we're really covering all the modes of transportation here. But I drank those shrooms, and I felt truly awesome. It's hard to explain. I just felt way more awesome than I felt before I drank it. Since then, I consistently consume at least one type of shrooms a day, and it helps me know it's going to be bright, 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 sunshiny day, even when it's rainy and gray, because I am telling you these mushrooms are magic. Although they don't make me hallucinate in a bathtub like my ex-boyfriend's famous magic mushroom experience, which in hindsight, he seemed way too proud of. But nobody's hallucinating the magical effects of these shrooms, okay? They are ultra-scientifically proven to boost immunity and gut health. Yes, please, and thank you. And the four different shrooms that Four Sigmatic uses most, hence the four in Four Sigmatic, 
wink, wink. They all do different epic things for your bod. Reishi helps you relax. Cordyceps give you a non-caffeinated energy for sports and stuff. Lion's mane, which does not come from a lion's mane, boosts your brain. And chaga is a mega charge for your immune system. I weave all four of those separate mushrooms into my life by way of the teas. That's what I'm talking about here, people, are mushroom teas that you dissolve in a packet of hot water and haya. But I also fancy myself some of their fancier shroom concoctions. They have this relaxing, thanks to the reishi hot cocoa that I pretty much make every night with almond milk. They have matcha powder, which is the only matcha I now use. They have these magic mushroom chai latte packets that you can add to water or almond milk for a hot or iced sweetest sippable treat. And I have to say, even though I don't drink coffee, Four Sigmatic is kind of famous for their multiple kinds of organic, much better for you coffee, even mocha mixes. So you can mocha chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Okay, enough from me. I'm sorry. I just finished a mushroom matcha latte and I'm flying high. But because you listen to this podcast, thanks so much for doing that, by the way, you can save 15% off any and all Four Sigmatic shroomy stuff you'll want to buy off of their site, foursigmatic.com, using code party in my plants. Or you can just go to Four Sigmatic, F O U R S I G M A T I C dot com slash party in my plants to automatically save that 15%, baby. Oh, by the way, did I mention that I don't even really like eating mushrooms? Yeah, but now, thanks to Four Sigmatic, my body doesn't need to have shroom FOMO. Okay, again, hit up foursigmatic.com slash plants to save 15% on this mega boat floating stuff that I always find stuffed into my pockets, purses, luggage, or my bra because I just can't get enough. And I mean, it's, this is especially important for people with chronic illness, which I know you keep talking about your latest venture. This is your, your latest venture is you've you're creating a community and an event and a whole thing around inspiring self-love for specifically people with chronic illnesses. How would you define or how is a chronic illness defined? Sure. So the National Health Council says that a chronic illness is anything that has symptoms for three months or longer. Yeah. When you told me that we were together recently yeah. and you t- I was like mind blown because I, you know, three months, that's not a long amount of time. But so I, I think a lot more people probably have chronic illnesses than than they realize. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that. And I think part of why, I mean, not the whole reason why, but part of why I decided to create ChronicCon, um, which is happening. <laughs> we just <laughs> acknowledge that ChronicCon. I love that. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But like part of why I decided to create it, which is happening this fall, October 28th in New York City. And I hope to see some of your listeners there. Yes, It'd be awesome. I know. Um, but, you know, part of the reason why I wanted to to have it is because we need to just start talking about this. Mm-hmm. Like, it was this really weird experience for me where I, you know, I've had these conditions that I've had for like almost 30 years. And I was just kind of, I've always felt completely alone mm. in my experience, always, no matter. And I have a lot of privilege and support compared to a lot of people in this country, right? But still, I felt so alone in my experience because it's your body, right? Mm. And it's no one else's body. So I was like, okay, that's really real for me. And then I started to talk to other people about it and started to talk to other people about their conditions. And I found out that pretty much every single person, I have not met one person that doesn't feel completely isolated with their health and chronic illness experience. That doesn't mean that they don't have care and love and support in their lives. But when their body breaks down, it's their body at the end of the day, right? And so I thought to myself, okay, well, maybe I started to think maybe there aren't that many people that have chronic illnesses because maybe that's why we're not talking about it, you know, because the people that I'm talking to and myself, we all feel like nobody else has anything or Uh that we're completely alone. And then I did the research and the National Health Council says that there are 133 plus million people that have a chronic illness in this country now. Insane. And by 2020, which is in like four months, there will be <laughs> four months, right? like four, four months, months on. which will, there will be 157 million people wow. that will have a chronic illness and 80 million of those people will have multiple chronic illnesses. <sighs> and these are people that are diagnosed yeah. I mean, this is what's on record. God. Oh my. 
Yeah. So right? think about so how many people think walking about, around. Yeah. <laughs> think about how many people that are undiagnosed. Think about how many people that, you know, have no clue what's going on. Think about how many, I have people in my family even that I feel like have a low level of something and they just don't even know that a lot of their forgetfulness or depression or exhaustion or whatever is attributed to their health. And they just have no idea, even though I've been through so much with my health and I try to tell them, they still like, don't get it. Yeah. And so I'm just like, wow, you know, like that is crazy. That's a lot of people. That's most people. So what are common chronic illnesses? Like what, what kind of people are coming to chronic on and, and yeah, just in general, like what would you say are the most comic, comic, common chronic illnesses? Yeah. I mean, so cancer, diabetes, heart disease, those are all chronic illnesses. Also mental health is on the rise. Like mental illnesses are on the rise in this country those are all chronic illnesses. You know, I mean, there's millions of people that have psoriasis in this country too. And I mean, yeah, it just, it just runs the gamut. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I thought of it more as like IBS. Maybe that's just because I have IBS. (laughs) Yeah. I think of it as that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think autoimmune is a whole separate thing. Right. And we, one of the things that I'm trying to do with chronic con is to say like, yes, autoimmune is huge. And I know personally how hard the autoimmune experience is and how much people are really, really, really suffering, Mm -hmm. but it's not the only experience, you know, and if we're going to change the conversation, we have to talk about everybody and not just say like, we're only talking about this one type of chronic illness. Yeah. Because there's so many people out there that are suffering. Right. You know? And yeah. it's like, oh, mm-hmm. because their immune system isn't attacking them, they're not like worthy of the conversation. Like, no. Right. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Wow. So like what kind of support do you think that people with chronic illnesses most need? Is it really like empathy or like permission to care for themselves more or put themselves first, you know, before putting others first, if that's what they need to be their best? Like, what are you trying to really um, inspire chronic on people and just people in general with chronic illnesses to do? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing and where I want to just start with Chronicon is to help people feel less alone, right? Mm-hmm. Like that whole conversation I was mentioning, like, okay, you're not the only one. Come meet people who are just like you, who are, you know, one of the things I actually got out of um, starting the conversations around chronic illness last in like 2017, I started talking about it more publicly, was I... <sighs> I called my mom up after I had done like a couple of talks around it and had been, you know, connecting with so many people that have chronic illnesses. And I was like, mom, I know we thought I had it really bad. (laughs) Like there are people out there that have it so bad that are achieving miracles that are raising children, getting their PhDs, thriving Mm -hmm. with their health, right? And so I think I just want people to know that they're not the only ones, that they're not alone. And that we're in this together, you know, so that when they're having days, like I had so many days as a kid where I felt like I was completely lost, where I felt like, you know, I I didn't matter, you know, because of my body. I felt so, I mean, isolated again, for for lack of a better word. And um, I don't want people to have to grow up like that. I don't want people to have to live like that. And so if we can do something to help, that would be great. Yeah, that would be great. That would be fantastic. Do you think a lot of people walking around don't even like how would someone find out if they have a chronic illness? I mean, I guess it's so it's symptoms that persist longer than three months or a condition that persists longer than three months. Yeah, it's symptoms. It's anything that has symptoms for longer than three months. Um, One of the things that happens a lot with people is that they go to doctors, they feel like something's off, and then the doctors say, oh, you're fine. Yeah. Like, you have nothing to worry about. You're fine, right? So I would say go to an integrative doctor, do some research, um, go to a doctor that, you know, is maybe a naturopath or an integrative doctor who will do the work to find out the answers. Like, even a few years ago when I started going to a new naturopathic integrative doctor, I did research for like three months before I chose someone because there are a lot of holistic doctors, naturopathic, integrative, all of that. 
that aren't up for the challenge and that aren't interested in doing and rolling up their sleeves and doing the hard work. Like the investigative work, like figuring mm-hmm. out. Yeah. It's like, it's like a detective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get discouraged when they, you know, don't get the answers or don't get the support or whatever that they need. And so I would say don't settle for that, right? Mm-hmm. Like just keep going. And if you feel in your gut and your intuition that something is wrong, don't stop until you feel like you got the answer. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that should help. Yeah. I think a lot of times people talk themselves out of even going to get help. You know, like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, I just have a yeast infection for <laughs> three months. Yeah, like, it's okay. Right. Oh, right. right. You know, I think, I, so maybe there's just a conversation also around just prioritizing your health. Like, you matter. Your symptoms mm-hmm. matter. Yeah, absolutely. Your symptoms absolutely matter. Man. It's super important. Yeah. And I feel like a big thing, at least for me, was realizing that, like, for, you know, because stress really triggers my IBS to flare up, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, you know? And so I, a huge thing for me was restructuring my life to create the least stress possible. Or if I knew I was going to be in times of high stress, have buffer time in place to allow myself to recover from that stress. What mm-hmm. is your advice? I'm sure it's the same for you ish. What's advice for somebody that like, unlike us where we're in control for the most part of our own schedule, what if they're working a normal job or they have kids? Like mm-hmm. how can they create that space to prioritize their wellness amid all the other obligations? Yeah. I mean, I think one easy thing to do is like really think about how you're spending your weekends. Um, I think people, yeah, because I think if you're doing a nine to five, like I get it, that's a certain kind of structure that you need to be aware of. But, you know, I think for a lot of people, like they then pack everything into their weekends. They stress themselves out even more. Like I have to get all these things done. I have to see all these people. I have to go to this thing. I have to travel. I have to all my errands. Yeah. All my errands, all the things. And so one, if you can delegate some of your errands, I feel like we're living in a society and in a life where you can get things delivered more. You know, you can, even if you don't do it often, you can even hire someone to help you clean once every two months or something. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. Like we have to be conscious of people's socioeconomic um, placement, but still like you can maybe tell if you live with roommates, you can be like, Hey, I'm really feeling stressed about this. Can we pitch in and like, you know, get someone to help clean or something. Right. So starting to see where are those things on your to-do list and on your errands list, on your stress list that you can maybe delegate and start to um, not take on all by yourself. Mm -hmm. And then I think your weekends are a huge thing, right? Like I know so many friends that work full time, but then their weekends are literally jam packed yeah. like every single second. I So when do they even time. like recover? Sorry, yeah, I, I just saying. don't understand. Yeah, there's no restorative time. Yeah. You know, and so I have a rule for myself which is at least one day on the weekend I do not leave my neighborhood. Ooh. I also love you say at least one day on the weekend. That's like one of the two days. That's 50% yeah, of the weekend. Right. So it's like either, either Saturday or Sunday, right? You made it sound like there's like an assortment of options. No, no, no. Either Saturday or Sunday. Like if I, I have, I ended up having to like make plans and the only time I could do it was Sunday with this friend this weekend. So I'm doing something Sunday. But normally I try to not leave my apartment on Sundays, but I'm like, okay, if I can't do that every single time, like at least on Saturday, I'm not stressing out. I'm not pushing myself. I'm not taking the freaking subway and getting hot and feeling Mm -hmm. gross and just like frustrated. Like I am just, and then if you're, if you want to hang out with me, I'd love to see you, but you have to come over to my apartment. Like (laughs) I'm just not, you know, and, and it, it's really, it works out. Yeah. I haven't had an issue. Right. But that's kind of the radical unapologetic, like no, I'm not getting out of my burrow. I'm not getting out of my, you know, 10 block radius. I'm not, I'm not doing that to myself because I know what it does to me when I do. Yeah. So I hope this, that someone listening considers this just a permission slip to prioritize yourself, especially if your body is as sensitive as anyone with a chronic illness, which apparently is like over 133 million people. And in four months, many more than that. (laughs) 
Yeah, seriously. Oy. Well, pivoting slightly, not sure. really. That's another form of self-care. You love essential oils and you did have Ooh. a beauty show. So dish on how you love essential oils. I think that lavender, sandalwood, and rose are your go-tos, if I'm <laughs> my research is correct. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm just a very like sensorial person. I'm a very sensitive person. So I've just always felt like essential oils um, just kind of take me where they need to, you know? So if I, <laughs> if I need to, to smell some lavender before bed, which I do a lot, um, or I take a little roller of lavender with me, when I'm feeling like stressed or anxious um, and anxiety coming on, I do that in my purse and I just like roll it on. And it also just grounds me. Like that's probably the way that I use essential oils the most, whether it's like lavender or sandalwood or rose. They're very kind of earthy, you know, really beautiful, gentle scents. And you can use essential oils for all different things. But I think that's the way I, I don't have a lot of earth like in my chart, um, in my astrological chart. And it's, I, I don't really love like nature. It's not really my thing. Really? So, I've never yeah. heard somebody say that. No, I don't like nature. I love the ocean, <laughs> like love the okay. ocean. That counts and I as nature, like, right? Yeah. But like the grass and the trees, not <laughs> so into that. Like just, <laughs> I'm a New Yorker. Are you, you from know? New York? I'm not, but I might as well be. I've been here for 18 years. So I just, I love the concrete or like the middle of the ocean, <laughs> oh like my one God. or the other. It's just a weird thing. That is fascinating. But, you know, but then I, I, I love an essential oil and it just <laughs> brings me to a place where I feel grounded. I feel connected, you know, to that more earthy center. And yeah, it's really helpful. That's hilarious. But again, knowing yourself, that's so good. Do you think that most people with chronic illnesses are very sensitive or at least if they like allowed themselves to tap into that? I mean, I would imagine because I'm that we're both that way and we both have chronic illnesses. And I feel like when I have surrendered to like, okay, things affect me maybe more than they affect others. I've been able to really live an empowering life where I get to prioritize my health by admitting and accepting that I am sensitive. Do you think that's the case for most people with chronic illnesses? Like that we're highly sensitive. Yeah. Or like just sensitive to elements. And, and, you know, if we really tap in, like we can listen to our bodies and prevent, you know, more suffering. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I don't think there is such a bad thing of like, you know, having a little bit of healthy amounts of suffering in our lives that allows us to get to our truth and allows us to get to our center. But I, I do think that people with chronic illnesses, I think, tend to be highly sensitive people, um, you know, and that our systems kind of take on a lot of the sensitivity and frustration that we're feeling from the environment around us, whether that's an emotional environment or, you know, people around us or, um, you know, actually physical environments. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know if I'm answering your question. No, I, it's just a random pondering. You answered yeah. it perfectly. Okay. Perfectly. Okay. So another thing that you are really into are vision boards. And we've not discussed vision boards on this podcast. So, but oh. that is one of your things. So talk yeah. to me about vision boards and how you've used them to bring in some awesome stuff and maybe demystify the eye rolls that might be happening as we bring up the topic of vision boarding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, vision boards to me, I've been doing one pretty much every year, like December 31st or the first week of January for as long as I can remember really. And it's just a, a way for me, one, to declare and say like, this is what I want. This is what I need. You know, this is what I want to focus on. I'm a really goal oriented person. So it works really well for me. And I also am a very visual person. Mm -hmm. So I put my vision board, you know, kind of at the foot of my bed facing me on my wall. And so when I wake up in the morning, I can see it. And some days I forget it's there and like it just becomes part of the wall. And then other days I'll be lying in bed and I'll just be like really taking it in. <laughs> you know, and other days I'll pass by it and be like, oh, wow, I actually did that. Or, you know, um, oh, I haven't thought about that goal in a long time. Okay, I'm going to think about that this mm. week or whatever, you know. So 
doesn't have to be so intense. Like it can just be something that's a beautiful reminder and a way for you to declare what you want. Cause I think that's a huge thing. I think we're a little afraid to declare things sometimes. And yeah. I actually think it's a really powerful thing to do. So you put on photo, like real things. So like on my, I have a little vision wall in my office. Like one thing I have on there is a TEDx talk, like a, mm-hmm. someone actually Sarah Knight, one of a, a former podcast guests who wrote the life changing magic of not giving a fuck. I have a photo of her giving a TEDx talk. Like, mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. the type of stuff you have? Or is it more like magazine clippings and stuff like that? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Like I scour the internet and look for things that inspire me for sure. And then I have them printed out, um, kind of like you're saying. So if I, if that was like one of my goals, I would maybe say like, you know, Sarah giving a TEDx talk and then like find a picture of her online and, uh-huh. and print it out. On a piece That's of exactly paper. what I did. <laughs> yeah. So I do that for certain things for sure. And then I'll also get some magazines and kind of layer those in there and say like, okay, like, let me make it pretty and funky and cool and, you know, kind of make it look appealing at the same time. And then also, I think looking through magazines, I don't do that very much at all anymore. Probably the only time I really do is if a friend of mine is like featured in a magazine or if I need to make a vision board. So (laughs) something about it that makes me open up to new things that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of if I was just like searching on the internet, you know what I mean? Totally. Now was being a swimsuit model, something that you had put on your vision board because that happened. Oh no, that is not (laughs) something that I ever thought would happen. That was amazing. So you were like a poster girl, literally for a somersault bathing suit company. And you were on a huge ad, like life size, (laughs) um, on a subway in the subway station, like a very popular, what was it? West fourth stop. Yeah. Yeah. And you were there like full size. Tell us about that. Like you were a swimsuit model, but I love what you said about that. You said when you first got the call, you were like, I'm definitely not a swimsuit model. But then you thought to yourself, well, who even is a swimsuit model? And then you did it. Yeah, I, I really was like terrified and just felt like, oh my God, there's no freaking way that I can do this. Like I used to be covered from head to toe with psoriasis. Like, how can I do this? And I also, you know, have really struggled with the fact that my weight fluctuates a lot because of my health. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm also like just curvier than everyone in my family and just like all these things. And I was just like, there's no freaking way that I could do this. And yeah, and I think I just started to think about all the girls and the women out there that feel the exact same way, like whether they have psoriasis or they have something else or alopecia or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just like, okay, we all feel kind of crazy and like not (laughs) sure if we fit in a lot of the time. And so what if I just like took a stand and said like, okay, we all fit in. Yeah. So that was kind of the idea behind it. So when they emailed me and asked me, I, I definitely thought about it for a little bit and wasn't sure, you know, what I wanted to do, but, um, it ended up being a really, really great opportunity and just like really awesome. That's great. So I'm glad I did it. Do you feel changed in the body confidence department since then? Huh? That's a good question. Um, do I feel changed in the body confidence (laughs) department? I mean, I, I don't know if I feel changed. I think it's an everyday conversation for me, but I definitely feel like this year, especially, I've just kind of come into my own a little bit around, you know, kind of going back to the food conversation and just knowing that when I've been my skinniest in my life, it's usually been because I've had to really restrict myself Mm -hmm. for my health. And I've also had other things happening when I'm that skinny. Like I've had my hair fall out and I've had like all these other things go wrong and like insomnia and anxiety and all these things that are happening while I'm like really restricting my food intake. And the only time I've ever restricted food is through health, but that also has caused other problems. And so I think this year has just been an unwrapping of, yeah, like skinnier is not better. Yeah. And, um, you know, and maybe this is the way my body wants to be, Yeah. you know, and as long as I'm like doing everything I can to take care of myself, which I do believe I am, then I need to love like the way my body is able to show up, you know? So 
Amazing. And I think the, the campaign helped a little in, in some ways, but it's still an everyday conversation. So when you say it's an everyday conversation, can you give us a little like, I guess, is that what you say to yourself? You, you know, you might fight feelings of like, oh, I wish I was thinner. But then you're like, no, you know, as long as I'm showing up, taking like, is that what you mean by everyday conversation? Or is there more dialogue going on there? I mean, I think every time I think I've been trained, you know, whether it was like through my family or through society that I'm supposed to be smaller. Like that's just like something that's really been ingrained in my mind. Mm -hmm. And so every time I put clothes on and every time I get a size, that's like, like a size eight and not a size two, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I used to be, you know, I'm just kind of, I just have to like fight the feeling of feeling like that's bad. And I just Mm. have to be like, that's great. Mm. Like, that's great. Like you're so healthy. Like that's awesome. You know, but I have to really work on that. Yeah. And it's, it's a, yeah. And that's kind of what I mean by it being an everyday conversation. Like it's usually around, you know, what I'm wearing and, and because I kind of have to present myself a lot in my work, it's Uh always just like, okay, like, yeah, this is this is the way that I look. And I actually, you know, feel great about that. But I'm more concerned. I've been trained to think like other people don't accept the way that I look if I'm like yeah. not tiny, you know. So it's it's really that that's been a huge part of the conversation that I've been having. Gosh, I am so there with you in, in just a different way. My building recently-ish put a huge mirror in our lobby. And it's mm. like, so when you walk in and out, there's just, there you are, like up close and personal and it's brand new. And so through the summer when I'm wearing shorts, my biggest insecurity is I have really awful cellulite on my whole leg. No matter how much I work out, no matter what I eat, it's just like boom, shakalaka. And the Mm. lighting in this room and the whole thing. So every time I come in and out in shorts, I have to practice exactly what you said. Like, Mm -hmm. it's okay. Do I feel good? Yes. That's what matters. Am I, you know, able to move and go on runs? And am I strong? Yes. That's what matters. This doesn't, you know, it, for me, I'm just, I guess I'm trying to relate. And for anybody else that feels that theirs is an everyday Mm -hmm. conversation, it's, I'm right there with you. We have different convos, but we're both having those convos. Yeah. I think that's actually been a huge part of it too, of like knowing that, you know, because I could look at someone and think, oh my God, they're so tiny. Like they never probably think about their body. And I have definitely thought that over the years and I've had to really stop myself and train myself to be Mm -hmm. like, everyone has a story about their body, you know, and everyone has something going on with their body. So like, maybe from the outside society accepts this body more the way that it's like packaged. But that doesn't mean that like she doesn't have just as much stress or. Oh yeah. Like I'm that size too. I'm that size two girl walking through that lobby, looking at her, you know, thighs that are out of control being like, okay, you got, it's fine. Breathe through it. You're fine. You're beautiful. You love yourself. It's fine. It's not what your self-worth is and the dimples, you know, we all Mm -hmm. have it. And I think it's a very important thing for everybody to recognize that we're all there together and we can have great days, bad days, but ultimately it's how we feel. That's how I think. Yeah, I totally agree. And I wanted to ask you this, it's somewhat in the same ballpark, but not really. So no great transition here, but for someone with chronic illness, I mean, you've praised your mom particularly for helping you through all these tough times throughout your life with your health. What would you suggest family members of someone with a chronic illness might be able to do to support someone? Because I find that that's been, that's, that's a challenge. You know, they can get frustrated. They can you know, try too hard and push you away. I'm speaking from my relationship with my mom, with my health, you know, it's not always easy. So like Mm -hmm. what, what advice would you have for either a family member or yourself in communicating with a family member who's trying to help you? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things is, um, from the family member's perspective, trying to help someone, I think, like asking, what do you need right now Mm -hmm. is just like game changing. Mm -hmm. If you literally just did that, it would change so much. I fully agree. Rather than assume or guess or try. Oh, Mm -hmm. you nailed it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. I think that's really it, you know? And I think, cause, cause a lot of times the family member and the person who's struggling feels very helpless Mm -hmm. and that's really real and it's fair. 
But, you know, perpetuating that by trying to like shove things down someone's throat or like making it about you and like, oh my God, I'm not a good mom. Like, how could I, how can my daughter be suffering this way? And, you know, all these things that I've heard so many, so many moms, you know, go through. And I'm sure dads go through it as well. Like, it's just, if you could just like take yourself out of the equation and just be like, what do you need right now? And then, Sometimes the answer is like, I just need you to let me cry. Like, can you just shut up for two (laughs) seconds and just let me cry? Because I have no one else to help me with that or whatever, you know? So I think, I think that would just be, it would just be a game changer. And, and sometimes you might have to train the people in your life to do that. Like I've, I've had to do that with friends, you know, like when I'm really going through something, I will just be like, I just need you to ask me what I need when I share things, when your reaction is you want to jump in and life coach and train and do things. I'm like, don't freaking do that. Just say like, what do you need? Yeah. You know, and I will feel so taken care of. I love that. Oh, that's perfect. Perfect advice. And that was so full circle because we started by tuning into what we need and we ended by other people asking us what we need. It's all about our needs. (laughs) Self-love, self-care. Well, let me ask you about some plants that you love and then I'll let you go. What is your favorite planty restaurant? Oh, planty restaurant? What what is a planty restaurant? (laughs) Like where you get yummy veggies. Oh, I mean, this is probably not like probably not the most uh, advanced restaurant, but there's a restaurant called Westville. That's pretty. Ad- Why does it matter if it's advanced? I don't know because I'm sure they don't cook with like the most organic, like whatever. But sometimes when I want comfort food, but I also want to make sure I get my vegetables in, like I'll go there because they have really good kale and artichokes. And- yeah. Westville is a veggie mecca, but Robin Euclid, who was on the show like a year ago, dropped the lowdown that they use a lot of butter in their cooking. I, know. I did not know That's that. That's why I was saying this is not the most I know. advanced. But yeah, I still am eating the vegetables. So I know. I'm okay eating the butter. I'll go there. Yeah, I was really glad you told me that because then you can just ask to do oil instead. But I didn't know oh. that. It's like secret. You don't really taste the butter. No, you really don't. Mm, Westville. All right, cool. What is your favorite plant to eat? I mean, I would say I'm a kale girl. <laughs> you're I a kale girl? Kale. Now, I mean, now I'm a kale girl. Now you're a kale girl. Do you still eat your chips? Not really. No? No. I eat chips, like, if I'm on vacation or something and I'm, like, at a rest stop or something, I'm, like, I'll eat them. It's not, like, the end of the world. But I really don't feel good. Mm-hmm. When I eat them. Um, so no, I don't eat chips really. But but yeah, I I kind of get kale, like frozen kale, you know, like just regular fresh kale, always organic. And I kind of just add it into everything. So mm-hmm. like it just, I don't know, it just suits me and it, it feels good to know that even if I'm having like a wrap or something like that, even if it's grain free, like I'll just get my vegetable in, you know, with the greens at that time because then I don't have to think about it. I and mean, if you don't even really taste it sometimes. Anymore. Yeah, totally. What do you do with the frozen kale? If I'm doing like a gluten-free pasta or like a grain-free pasta, I'll oftentimes do that. And then I'll like, I don't know if this is like only vegans that listen to the show. No, no. I eat meat. So um, I'll do like, you know, ground turkey or something like that, like a lean meat. And then I'll do... The kale, I'll do the frozen kale just because it's nice to have the option in the freezer. Yeah, I do that all the time. Yeah. And so I'll I'll make that with like, you know, ground turkey, frozen kale, and then I'll do like a vegan pesto and then I'll toss all of that with the pasta so that like I'm not actually eating like that much pasta. It's like I'm mostly getting all the other stuff and like a little bit of the pasta. I do the same. What's your go-to pasta? You know, I have to be honest, I don't really have one right now because I don't really do grains like I really am not supposed to and Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of playing around with doing them a little bit more I was doing like the bean pasta and stuff like Mm -hmm. the bonza Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff and it wasn't agreeing with me for a while so then I stopped doing that and I, I I don't remember the name of it I just bought some pasta off of like Whole Foods Amazon direct like delivery Look at you, self-care, practicing. Um, yeah, because I hate going to the grocery store. But I do too. Yeah, I really hate it. But 
But yeah, so I, I just ordered that, but it's like, it's gluten-free. It, the ingredients were very few. So I was like, okay, this should be okay, but it's not grain-free. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a cheat a little bit. Well, I hope you can find your soulmate pasta very soon. There's always zoodles too. if you need or swoodles. <laughs> I don't do well on those. Oh gosh. They're just, it's too rich. I don't know what else. I don't know. That might sound weird, but it's just, it's, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't feel great. Oy. It doesn't feel great. So yeah. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. We'll see. We'll keep us posted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is your favorite thing that you do for self-care? I would say laughing with a friend, like there's just nothing better. Aww. So like sometimes, yeah, like I love to laugh. I think sometimes I'll call a friend that's like especially funny and just like <laughs> just need to laugh. I'm just like, girl, let's talk. What's up? Tell me, you know, and I'll just need to laugh. And it, yeah, it really, it really helps. I mean, it's such a simple thing, but it's it a lot really of pressure to put on your friend. No, I mean, I don't tell her that I need to make <laughs> oh, you laugh. Okay. But, you know, <laughs> That's but hey, like, I I'm having a bad day. Make friend. me laugh, clown. <laughs> no, but like, I know this what like these few friends of mine, like they'll always make me laugh no matter what. And I'm just like, okay, let me call her. Let me have a conversation with her. Oh, that's funny. Do we know your friends? Are they friends that the public eye would know? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. They're private friends. Yeah. Private friends. Okay. Tell us about your podcast, The Point of Pain, which I love the name. I love a little alliteration. Just a quick summary for folks that want to tune in. Sure. Um, yeah. So I basically started The Point of Pain this past January 2019. And it's essentially you know, a lot about my story with chronic illness in the first episode. But then from there, we go on to talk to a lot of different people um, from all different walks of life. And I talk about the point of pain in their lives. So sometimes that's career stuff. Sometimes that's chronic illness stuff, relationships, you know, but it's really an invitation for people to be, you know, to like not hold back around their challenges in life. And it's actually, we laugh a lot on that show. There you go. It doesn't sound like a very like fun, uplifting show, but it actually is because sometimes, you know, you get to the point and you're just like, that was so insane. I cannot even believe that I went through that. And you just, there's yeah. nothing left to you but to laugh about it. Yeah, so. I'm so with you. Like all those times where I did all my poop tests to see what <laughs> was going on in my microbiome, LOL. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's real. It <laughs> Shit <is> got real. <laughs> yeah, it's real. <laughs> what is a book that's really inspired you in an awesome way? Oh, you know, the book um, Dying to Be Me was a book that I loved so much. It's by Anita Morjani. It's an, it's an old book, but... I just really loved it. She just talked about self-love and the way we care for ourselves and, you know, the way we live our lives. And she did it in a way that was just so relatable. She actually has like a near-death experience and comes back from it. And like, it's like this whole thing. So wow. I really loved that book. That sounds very on brand. Very on brand. Yeah. Well, where can everyone stay connected to you? I mean, you have so much. The Point of Pain podcast, Chronicon, just you in general. Where should people go? Yeah, so um, I'd love to have y'all listen to the Point of Pain and and all of that on anywhere you want to stream it. But um, I'd also love to see you guys on Instagram at Nitika Chopra um, is where I am on Instagram, and and you can find the Chronicon Instagram on there as well. I love it, Chronicon. Do you think you'll do more? Is that in the in the plan? Yeah, that is the plan. I definitely, you know there's a lot that we have in the work. So I'm just trying to keep my feet on the ground and, you know, make sure the first one is great. And then we'll go from there. It's really <laughs> exciting. I really admire what you're doing for the chronic illness community and, and even building a chronic illness community, really, because I think, like you said, there's an autoimmune community, there's cancer communities. I don't know if there's an IBS community, but there's little communities, but you're kind of like, yo, we're all one. Let's, mm -hmm. let's join hands. And I think that's awesome. Thank you. Yay. I appreciate that. Well, thank you for coming on, squeezing in your lunch, for going your, your cookie and um, <laughs> sharing with us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks so much for listening to the Party in My Plants podcast. I adore how Nitika says that it's always about knowing thyself enough to know what it is that you need. 
And then, my friend, though, you go give yourself what you need. That is part of the equation, too. Like, a major part of the equation. Like, giving yourself what you need to thrive is the MC squared and the E equals MC squared. It's essential. Uh, Well, maybe it should be the E, then. (laughs) Well, anyway, if you have a chronic illness, I highly suggest you go check out Chronicon this October here in New York City. I'm sure there will be future Chronicons. So if you can't make this one, it's perhaps a good idea to hop on Chronicon's mailing list to stay in the know for future events. The link to that mailing list, more info about both Amazing Grass and Four Sigmatic, convenient planty products you know, if you follow me on Instagram or hang with me in real life, you know I use every single day. And a recap of this radically self-lovey chat is all waiting for you at partyinmyplants.com slash 159. 